0: Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you have access to new content as soon as it comes out. And don't forget to share it so you can be a part of that ripple effect of Go Be Love. And if you're someone who's struggling with the Go Be Love concept, if you're someone sitting at home hurting, think you'd benefit from some coaching, or if you're an organization that's just looking to add chaplains into your workforce, go to gobeloveinc.com and schedule a free 15-minute session with me now. Thank you guys so much for tuning back into Go Be Love podcast. This week we have a guest who was just super active in the Thriving and Surviving group, uh, Nicole. So thank you so much for, I know it was a long drive and coming up to the city, so I appreciate you being here.
1: Oh my gosh, thanks for having me.
0: Why don't we just dive right into it and start at the beginning. So tell us a little bit about yourself and and who you are.
1: Okay, well, um, my name is Nicole and I am a single mom. I have five girls and a little boy. And um, I'm currently working with in-home healthcare, and I'm getting my real estate license. I'm a travel agent, and um, I'm getting my life coaching certificates. And uh, So just so much free
0: time for you. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Yes. I'm really <laughs>
1: trying to balance it all, actually. Um, and I'm getting better. I'm getting much better about it. I'm originally from California, and, and then I grew up in um, Illinois in a small country town um, through high school, and um, I still have... a. A ton of my best friends are still there, and so I have that connection. Um, but I'm about two years into Indiana. so Awesome. Yeah. So
0: you came to Indiana, and then shortly after getting here, the coronavirus hit. Huh?
1: Pretty close. Yeah. Because yeah, we're,
0: yeah, we're not too far out from it. So yeah. let's talk about that for just a second. Sure. What was it like? You got here. You've got um, six kids. There, we're all in school, and schools were canceled. And then, what what was that like for you?
1: Uh, I think it it was the same for gosh everybody. Um, it, you just kind of you make the best of a situation, and we didn't really have a choice. So the schools were closed, and I did try to drop them off a couple times, but they made me come get them. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, but um, you know, it it went. I think it went as well as it could. I think that um, it, it was nice having them home, and I got some special time with them, and I got to really invest in them and myself um huge improvements in myself and my own growth in that time so yeah Yeah. it was it was a lot
0: (laughs) so you were you doing e-learning we were right away pretty much one day school the next day e-learning
1: yes yeah
0: yeah. I got I got thrown to that I realized that um high school in the 90s was probably a little easier than high school now because I was lost on almost every e-learning assignment so
1: yes (laughs) um yeah. So
0: you early on pretty much from the beginning of the group well, as soon as we, we put the thirvi- uh, surviving and thriving out there, you joined in so what what were you like what were you going through that time when you saw it and what made you kind of jump on board?
1: Um, you know I've thought about that question a ton because I want to give this great question of like it's it's just you know something lit up inside of me but um, I've always just been that person that when stuff, I seem really calm under pressure, having six kids, you have to you can't panic. And I think that that kind of built me for those kind of situations because you know there were a lot of people that were scared and being a mom, you really can't show that fear on a constant basis. so it was it was scary, but it wasn't something I could focus on. And so because I was in that state of mind, that's where I was, and that's why I moved forward with it because I was capable of and I was able to
0: right on and and so you you did a lot I tried to look back actually through the whole group which Mm -hmm. is is a lot but and just kind of see like when when you were showing up and it was it was kind of overwhelming because you were yeah, when you weren't just driving around and giving things or helping people with things you were communicating you were encouraging you were connecting them with resources so why don't what were some of the experiences that stick out to you some of the things either the people that you met or or the things that you did
1: Oh, gosh, Uh, there were so many experiences, but it was so heartwarming to see um, the people that gave so little. I mean, there were people that called me and said, you know, I have four boxes of macaroni and cheese. I have three cans of beans. I have a bag of sugar. And I'm like, that's that's fantastic. You know, and this person has toilet paper and this person has wipes. And um, we all just kind of built gift bags and passed them out from that. Companies were volunteering extra things that they could. And so I think that was what I was most impressed by is. People that were scared and struggling were still saying, this is the little bit of stuff I have, you can have it. And we all kind of just trusted that we were going to come back around and things were going to work out. And and that's what I think I was so, so happy about.
0: So such a cool thing because even me, like when trying to start it, right, as a nonprofit, we all have this like concept that we have to have like this building and we have to have you know, this food shelter, this right. men's shelter, whatever this giant thing is as a non-profit or as somebody who wants to give, right. we have to have so much to be able to do that. Or, or there's a certain like level of, of life or status that we have to hit before right. we can like be um, a giver. Right. Um, but this group, what we saw, so somebody would come and just say, hey, we're, we're like out of food and we need these items. Right. And what was really cool is that almost all the, the majority of time, all those items would get to the family, but they wouldn't come from one person. No. I
1: I would meet three or four people in a day to build a box. And um, like I said, I would get a couple things from each person, and then I would deliver that, and and it was enough. It was what they needed.
0: And it's just a really cool thing because – we, I just feel like there's so many people out there who want to help, who have a heart and see pain and want to do something right. about it. And they think that they just, they don't have enough. They right. think that, you know, they have to have it all to come to it. And so just for a box of mac and cheese for someone to give that. And then what do you think, like, so from the perspective of someone, we were all struggling and we were all all hurting, you know, right. families and, and parents. Um, but then there were still these people who were giving bags of sugars, who were giving, you know, right. little things. Uh, what, in your experience, what did it do for them to be able to give the box of macaroni and cheese? or the?
1: I mean, I, I think it, it's pretty obvious that they really lit up when you say, hey, listen, that that is amazing. I'm so impressed that you would give that much. And I know that, you know, you feel like it's not a lot, but... Four, box, four boxes of macaroni and cheese will feed somebody for dinner. And people didn't realize that, you know. And so it was it was the joy of them feeling like, you know, I don't have much, but I'm a part of something bigger than what's going on. And it, I think it leveled people out a little bit, too, because everybody's so afraid. And when you're not focusing on being afraid, you're focusing on giving. And I think that that kind of pulled everybody back into just being able to cope with what was going on.
0: Yeah, for sure. I found, I I really found that a lot of people found therapy, therapeutic, right? Right. This giving process to be very therapeutic, even in their dark time. And that was something I didn't expect. And and I think something that I really, we all need to hold on to, right? right, Is that how powerful just every little thing can be. You know, Ashley was on here and she was talking about storage totes and how much that changed her life. And, And the lady who gave them to her actually reached out and was like, I had no idea. I had right. no idea that just some storage shots would do that much power. And man, so just just think you, I, everybody out here, right. everybody yeah. listening, you have that much power in you to just be able to give what you can, right. do what you can. You touched on encouragement just for a second there. So I really want to talk about that yeah. because for, from talking to you, that was a big part of this group and why why it was, it was so successful and why you were part of it for so long, right?
1: Um, you know, I think the initiative of it all was that you were so driven. Um, And like I've told you before is when you take a leader and he is as focused and determined to make something succeed, it kind of rallies everybody else up to be a part of it because now you've got the person that's motivating everybody is doing the same amount of work. There's a lot of leaders that will sit in a higher position and they'll say, okay, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And people feel like, okay, well, what are you doing? And you were out there from day one. You were going at five o'clock in the morning and you were going at 11 o'clock at night and you have family, you have wife, you have work, you have school. And so it kind of showed everybody like, yeah, you can have a full plate and you can still show up because I am. And that motivates people. And so I, that is the main reason I think that this was successful is that you showed up so strong and you've been consistent. And you know, we had a conversation once where I said, just be completely honest, Josh, like just go in and tell them like, hey, listen, we don't we don't have the bus. We don't have the equipment. We don't have the funding. This is where we're at. You know, this person maybe isn't doing something that they said they would do for on our side of it to get us to the next level. But this is where we're at and being being translucent and clear and honest lets people know like this we're starting this we're doing our best and mm-hmm. however this folds out we're trying um, I think that motivates people honesty motivates people
0: and then I appreciate that and then the um, mm-hmm. the encouragement aspect of like when people gave or when people ask for help right right there's a lot of groups and especially now on Facebook and social media Um, there's a lot of groups that are that are designed to help right Right. one of the things that i think our group did i think it manifested on its own but what our group did was really show that encouragement and and i'm assuming like me you've been in a position once or twice in your life where you've needed to ask for help right? right absolutely and um and what the biggest struggle with asking for help really is shame. So what do you think as far as like the group did and and the way that you were encouraging people to just give a box of mac and cheese and all of that? Yeah. Well, what, I guess what's so important about that when it, especially when it relates to the shame and how hard it is to ask. Right.
1: And, and I think like that was something else that I was really excited about in the group is you know people in a small community and you're going to the food pantry you probably know the people there that are giving the food boxes and there was a lot of you can pick up boxes and drop them off for other people you don't have to be the person that needs it um, we can drop this off on your porch nobody has to know that we're bringing this to you because when you have somebody that is used to taking care of themselves and now they're out of work or they're struggling and they have to turn to other people and say I need help it, it people will suffer for a very long time before they'll take that help. And this eliminated that need to hide because nobody was really seeing everybody. People got to get the help they needed without putting their face out there. And it was all private. And, and I think that that was such such a big deal for everybody. It's not feel like, and, and I don't think anybody ever should, um, not that they shouldn't, you're valid in any feelings that you have, but everybody needs help sometimes. And I think that people forget that. And I mean, even myself, I'm a very determined person, but I probably would not have gotten to where I am or or where I'm going without so many people stepping into my life saying, listen, I'll babysit for free. Um, You know, here's a car seat, here's extra clothes. There were so many people that got me to the next level and I really want people to understand that's how you build a community is you rely and you turn to people in those times of needs. I, I'm not saying go out there for every need that you have, but if you're in a position where you need help, people want to help you. It's and, okay. It's yeah, okay, it's to okay. Ask for, it's It okay is, and we all the... get there sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's great if you have never have been, but a lot of people are, and your life can go so much smoother <laughs> if you can just understand that it, it's okay. It, it is okay, and people really, really do want to help you. For
0: sure. So if you're out there right now, just know that mm-hmm. – It's hard. We know that it's hard, and it's shameful, and it feels bad to ask for help. We've all been there. I've I've had to, you know, ask for help. Nicole, you've been there. So just know that it's okay. And I think that's one thing that we need to start talking about, just in society as a whole, is that it's just it's just okay. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be struggling financially. Right. Those things are okay. They happen to all of us. It's it's okay to reach out and just to say that I'm struggling. So, one of the, the really cool things about getting to know you and your story is not. Just this Gobi love, because you actually have a background in community service and, and seeing a need and seeing something wrong and then stepping in and taking charge. When you were living in California, you got really involved in the community. So why don't you just start in the beginning of what it looked like and, and what you did there?
1: Yeah, that was a crazy situation. My grandfather was a sheriff in a small mountain town um, above Bakersfield, and um, the police funding is very low, so they were making thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year dealing with underfunding, and so they were understaffed as well. So we had three or four officers going in seven different directions, hour-long drives, so people would call and nobody would show up. And so we started this community service outreach where um, it was kind of like a citywide neighborhood watch where it was really... We worked with everybody about lighting and dogs and coming outside different hours of the night. And everybody really stepped in and started, we dropped the crime rate by I think 60% in a year. People were feeling safer and more in control. And I think that was my biggest takeaway is people want to feel like they have control and that gave them the power to say, I'm in control of, of what happens and I'm protecting myself, I'm protecting my neighbors. And it was it was an amazing experience and people jumped on board. I mean, they were having town meetings, um, and neighborhood meetings and showing up in our town hall meetings fully packed yeah. and it was I mean, it was just it was magical. Like I was I was so impressed with how much people wanted to make a difference.
0: Just and I feel like there every there are so many people out there that are just like they have this desire in their heart and they're just yes. they're waiting for like a platform to be able to do it. So right. We can look the other way. Right. We can just take care of ours. We can just work and do our thing. What? Why is it that over and over again you've just you've seen this and decided that, despite having six kids, despite four careers, despite right all of these things, I I have to do this. What is that driving you, that driving force that motivates you to to step in?
1: Um, you know, I think we've talked about um, our childhoods before, and I come from a really rough background. Um, a lot of violence and drugs and. When you grow up in a toxic environment and you know how damaging people can be, you kind of gain this heart to not want anybody else to go through that. And so I think my childhood built me to be um, somebody that wants to make sure everybody else feels okay. On top of, again, having kids, you want your kids to know that they can make a difference, and it could be little, and it can be a couple steps in the right direction, and I want them to understand that they can Change their environment if they are not comfortable with it. If it's not working out for the betterment of everybody, they they have a choice to make that different. And so I think that that's kind of what drove me. I don't know if that's the right answer. I just know that no, I, yeah. I think I was built that way.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's it again goes back to that when you make it out of the fire. You know, I really feel like we're obligated to reach back in and right. start pulling people out. And you're a really good example of that. You've mentioned three or four times now control, and I really like that concept because. Not only during a pandemic but just in, in our lives in general right like there's just so much that's out of our control right. and one of the things the pandemic and this whole year of kind of for me it was a year of like service and meditation right so i just had a whole lot of time but that control there's just so much there's so much wrong with the world and there's so much that i you know i'm rudy right i'm five right. foot tall i'm 100 <laughs> pounds there's not a lot i'm gonna be able to do about all of these things that are wrong and you know, you, you've you got a full plate, so there's not, you have a lot of time to be able to fix the things that are wrong with the world. But the control that we do have is that we can give someone a meal. We right. can take someone donuts. We can fix someone's tire. Right. We can organize the community to get together and, and, you know, make things better. I just think it's really beautiful. I appreciate, you know, that aspect of, of the mother and, and being able to you know, show that our kids that, you know, and any kids that are listening. I mean, hear what Nicole said, that the li- the world that you see right now doesn't have to be the world that you grow up in or live in. Right. It's up to you, you know. If you want a different world, then then be different, right? Right, so definitely. So that's really beautiful. There was one part um, when we were talking before. There was, a, I think, a guy during that California time, and that part of that story just really stuck out to me. Yeah. And I think it's really important because – um you know, I haven't always been like a lot of people hear me and this is the first time that they're introduced to me. Right. Is is Josh on this Go Be Love podcast and, and so it's easy to see me as like a great guy, which I feel like I am today, but it's not how I've always lived, right? I have a kind of a dark past and I've been I've lived in sin and I've been bad before I uh before I changed the way I lived. So I think it's important to understand that people can change, no matter how bad off you are, how how bad you're acting, that your behavior, your mindset, you can change with a little bit of love. So um, if you, if it's okay with yeah, you, we talk about absolutely. that experience.
1: Um, we had a gentleman. He was um, in his early, early 20s, and he progressed from petty theft and um, stealing bikes and just kind of vandalizing the community. And everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew when something was going on, this is the person you look to. We started going to the court hearings and letting the judges know, you know, we're watching you. You need to make some better steps. These people are you're putting them back into our community and people are being terrorized by this person. And so some things had worked out where the judge was able to keep him in for almost a full year. And by the time he got out, he had added me on Facebook and I had said something along the lines of, you know, that I'm the reason that you were in jail for so long. Um, and, I, and I pushed very hard for that. And he said, yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you because now he's in college and he's getting um, a degree in social services. You know, in the beginning, the community wanted to say, oh, he's still bad. And, you know, you have to step forward and say, listen, people change. You know, look at what he's doing. And he has completely turned himself around. He had a his sister died after he had gotten out of jail and situations like that normally would turn somebody back into the life that they were leading and he stayed motivated and he's staying motivated. And so that was just a huge moment in my life where I was like, you know, with the right resources, the right programs, the right fundings, right counseling, the right dedication to somebody, they have a chance and they want that chance. People don't want to live in a place of, you know, criminal activity or feeling less than who they are. Everybody wants to be the best version of themselves, and yeah. and he got that chance.
0: Sure. That's so awesome. Yeah, it was great. Such a cool – I <laughs> it mean, is. it reminds me so much of kind of like the Saul de Paul and you like going in and saying, no, you're you're validating that he's yeah. changed, and that's just so cool because everybody needs that, right? We right. need someone who's going to do that. But, but what sticks out to me in that story is that your form of love in this scenario was actually – ensuring that this gentleman stayed in jail longer
1: yeah
0: right yeah and that's actually what what ultimately is what gave him the opportunity to sober up right to get through some courses to get out to get in college to re you know to refocus right that was it obviously there's all kinds of forms of love my right. you know hugs are my favorite ones but right. what you it's just you have to follow your heart and so right. i think in this scenario it's just a really cool because we're talking about Gobi love and it's really easy to just think that means just hugs and good and, right. and warm and fuzzy but really it's it's about following your heart and what's best for this human being what's going to make the best impact on them and the people around them wow just a, just a cool thing
1: well i think the transition between that two was in the beginning my motivation was the community i was focused on the community not feeling terrorized and then when i could see that he was visibly changing my focus was i'm so proud of you and that's where we built kind of a friendship off of it where I didn't hold him accountable for what he was doing. I kept trying to remind him, "This is where you're going." You know, you have got so many opportunities, and that's where our connection was built. Because if he had to stay in jail for five years, then if he if the community was better to me, that's where I was. And he chose. And he did. He made that was him. I don't feel like I I don't feel like I did much in that situation other than um, tell him, "You did a great job. I'm proud of you." At the end of that, and I see you. And so everything else was just, it kind of fallen and happened that way. And he got the resources that he needed.
0: Man, so (laughs) I feel like we'll have you back again because we just talked about so much stuff. And normally I say, well, what I learned from this episode was, and there's like one or two points, but... There's a lot to cover here so one the world and all the messiness is out of control the one thing you can control is how you're going to react and what you're going to do and if we start with love and we listen to our heart and we look into our community and see what we can do there is someone who doesn't have food and you have a box of mac and cheese and that will change their life forever And, and those little things are really what we want to do so i encourage you all to just look at your family and your community and see what resources you have, what skills and gifts you have and what needs are around you and just reach out and be love. And let's start with love. Let your heart guide you. Appreciate you being here, Nicole.
1: I appreciate you having me. Thank this you was, This was a really amazing experience for me too. And so I appreciate that you stepped forward and you did what you did because it gave everybody the platform to kind of move forward. And so...
0: For sure. And I look forward, I can't wait to work together on more things. Yeah. And I know, Nicole, you you had a had a... A passion for kind of the elderly that we're in and so that's another thing that we're looking at different ways of how our group can can be that when there are times of of like lock-ins of how we can be just not only just give but be there. Yeah. And honestly,
1: speaking on that topic really quick while I have you, if there is anybody that's wondering what they can do to make a difference, me working with elderly, they are so lonely and they are so disconnected. And I'm seeing them unravel in this situation more than anybody. And so if you have an elderly neighbor or you have a grandparent that you haven't seen, um, even if it has to be through the window, even if it has to be on a note something they need that right now so badly and i don't think people know that the elderly have taken it so hard in this um but everything that they've known their normal lives has been cut off and they're still living in a lot of fear because their doctors are telling them to stay isolated and their family's telling them to stay isolated and then they're isolating from their families so definitely if you're ever thinking about something you can do phone calls letters window meetings um they need it
0: yeah. no matter who you are you can yes. definitely send a text you can send an email yeah. so that's awesome. And we'll keep that in mind. So yeah. I'm going to call my grandma, and I encourage <laughs> all of you to get off and call Graham, too. So yeah. uh, thank you so much again. Guys, I appreciate you listening and tuning in every week with us. Uh, every Sunday at noon, you will have a new episode. Uh, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe so you can uh, get informed when that new episode airs. If you have any questions, if you feel alone, if you just uh, need someone to talk to, go to gobyloveinc.com, tap on the Goby Love Ministries tab, and you'll be able to schedule some time with me. I see you, I love you, be love.